KXNO's Thirsty Thursday continues now with the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show. We're now proudly presented by our friends at the Iowa State University Foundation. Right now, Iowa State students and faculty are giving their best to make our state and world a safer and healthier place. Your gift to Iowa State can move what matters, from opening doors to a great education and sharing Iowa State's best with the world. Make a gift at movewhatmatters.com. Now, for the latest on all things Cyclones, Here's your host, Cyclone Fanatics, Jared Stansberry. Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic radio show here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. I'm Jared Stansberry. Uh, as always, presented by our friends at the Iowa State University Foundation. We appreciate them for all of their support of us here at Cyclone Fanatic. Uh, jam-packed show. We're going to talk some Iowa State men's and women's basketball to lead things off. And then we are going to talk to Jeff Woody with uh, Iowa State spring football set to start tomorrow. Uh, we're going to get to talk to Matt Campbell on Monday for the first time since the end of the 2021 season. So figured we might as well get Jeff on here and, uh, and talk a little, uh, a little football before everything gets going. But first we're going to talk some Iowa state men's basketball, Steph Copley from the title nine podcast. One of our contributors here at cycling fanatic, Steph, how's it going today? Not too bad. I'm a little, uh, shaken up by the poor performance last night, but you know, that's the life of a Cyclone fan. Yeah, uh, that was as disappointing of a performance as I think I can remember from an Iowa State team in quite some time. Uh, because I think that, you know, obviously last year was disappointing, different kind of disappointing, more. I think that's the key. It was a different kind of disappointing. Yeah, this was a you expect better from this team. Like, it's, it, it's a, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. <laughs> You know, that's exactly right. And it was, it, it's, that's particularly the case now at this point in the season, right. when these guys have shown that they're capable of playing much better. And even though we've known the offense is a problem for quite some time, that was, that was rough. That's the I, best word to describe it. I mean, I don't know. There are not many performances in college basketball this year. I think <laughs> where teams played that poorly offensively and, I, and, and the crazy thing, Oklahoma state didn't hardly play any better. I know. know. I mean, I think I saw someone on Twitter say we're down by three, but it feels like we're down by six or so possessions. And that that's exactly true. It just, no one could score. And, Mm -hmm. uh, even when we were right in the game and never felt like we were in the game. Yeah. And baskets were hard to come by. And it was just a weird game. Like, I think you could tell nobody was overly locked in that. I mean, I've never seen a game where more people, just blatantly drop the ball when they're trying to catch it and it goes out of bounds or they fumble it around before finally yeah, getting it. There was and then a they, lot of fumbling. Yeah, it was just crazy. And I, I, I just, I can't remember anything like that. And, you know, at the same time, and th- there's going to be this person out there who's like, Oh, Stansberry is blaming the refs again. <laughs> no, it was a weirdly officiated game. It was super Odd- strangely officiated. If you touched anyone on the perimeter, you're getting called for a foul instantly it was on site the second that you touch them foul but if you like you had to get charged with six felonies <laughs> and be facing 25 to life to get one underneath the rim it, you could not get a foul underneath the rim and that's what I thought was really probably the biggest thing for Iowa State is that you know I don't know how much I actually talked about this I know I talked to Scott about it at least off the air and I know me and him texted about it but man 
after like their second or third game, they played one of those lesser, you know, one of those small conference teams and that, and they played zone the entire game. Mm-hmm. And it just, you could tell that Iowa state did was not comfortable against that. But at that point, you know, you could kind of chalk it up to like, well, they haven't played anybody that plays zone. And I think I even asked TJ about it where I was like, you know, is that a concern that someone could do that? Because quite frankly, if I was a college coach and I was looking at Iowa state and I was putting the scouting report together, I think that's exactly what I would do if I felt like I had the personnel to do it because you know that Isaiah Brockington and Tyrese Hunter are going to try and play downhill and attack the rim. And you know that if you can keep them out of the paint and keep them uncomfortable, like the other, everybody else is just like, it's whatever, you know, if, like we know Caleb Grill when Caleb Grill's hot, how good he can be, how good Gabe Kausher can be when he's hot or, or even jazz, but they're so inconsistent. If I'm a college coach, I'm like, man, we're going to sit our butts down here in the paint and not let anybody get in here. If anybody does, we're going to strip the ball away from them, or we're going to uh, just really protect the rim really hard and prevent people from being able to score at the rim. And you've got to shoot over us. And that's all you're going to be able to do is shoot over us. And, those guys did not look confident shooting the basketball. None of those three that I that I mentioned that are so important to being able to work through something like that. And then when Tyrese and Isaiah both looked uncomfortable as well, and Isaiah wasn't hitting some of his mid-range jumpers, like that's going to be the result, you know. And it took 16 games for a Big 12 <laughs> team to finally deploy that strategy. And I, if like I said, if I'm a college coach, I think that's the most obvious strategy of all time. And it's sometimes one of those things where it's like, Coaches are hard-headed. We're like, yeah. man, we're going to play man. You know, that's our thing. And, and we're going to play man. A, that's our yeah. thing. But I don't know why more teams have not done that. You know, right. I, well, I, I really don't know. I don't know. I, Oklahoma State could, had a good plan. And it could be the playbook for what we see in Kansas City and in the tournament too, unfortunately. Yeah. And I, again, college coaches are really hard-headed. So yeah. I don't know how much it takes the right kind of coach to be like, okay, we're you know, Oklahoma state's a really good defensive team. Like they're yeah. not a bad, def- like bad defensive team, but Iowa state was kind of able to tear them up a little bit when they tried to play man to man against them at the end of the game in Stillwater. So, like I said, that's a, I thought that they came into the game with a great plan. You right. Know? And right. so that's where I give Oklahoma state credit. I give that coaching staff, Mike Boynton, I give all of them credit because I think that they came in with a really good plan and it made Iowa state really uncomfortable. Yeah. And even to hear, uh, you know, TJ said that they'd prepared for that. They'd practiced for that. That was what was disappointing to me is it's like, man, then like, what, why, like, why do people <laughs> look so uncomfortable? You know, if you prepared for that, you shouldn't look like that. Right. And that, and that just is what makes you question like, well, what does your scout team look like then? If that's like, <laughs> if this is how your guys look like when, or how your guys look when they actually have to face this in a game, because this is, it was really not good. And it's the same kind of stuff that makes you wonder about like their press break. Like, mm-hmm. What are you doing in practice with your press break that this, these things remain such an issue. And I'm, you know, those, those calls, the five second calls uh, over the weekend were rough, but yeah. still the press break has been a problem for pretty much the entire season. So it, again, it exactly to your point, like, what are you practicing? Right. The, we know they are right. And I, I'm not trying to call anybody out because no. again, like they're doing, they're saying they're doing the work and I believe right. them, you know, I don't right. think they'd come in and lie about it. Like even Isaiah and, <laughs> And Tyrese said they, they worked on it. So we know that they knew what they were supposed to do, but for some reason there was a massive disconnect in knowing what they're supposed to do and actually executing it in the game. 
that became the difference in the game more or less, you know? And, and then I also wondered, is this just a, you know, they're kind of checked out in a sense, knowing that they, they're going to Kansas city to do what they, whatever they can do. And then they're locked in for the tournament. But the, I just don't think TJ is the type of coach that would allow them to be mentally absent. The guy mm-hmm. is one of the most intense people I've ever seen. So I don't, I'm not sure that explains it either. I think we might have to just chalk this up to being kind of an unexplained, hopefully an unexplained, um, I don't know, one-off, I guess, because it was just from start to finish. It, they just didn't have the crispness or the intensity that we've seen. And I know lazy passes have been a problem, um, but even, I don't know, there was just a lack of intensity that we're not used to seeing with these guys. I don't even know that it was like, like, I didn't think they were making lazy passes. I don't know. There maybe were a couple where it was just like, what are you doing? You know, but mm-hmm. the number of times that they were throwing the ball at each other's feet. feet. I know. That's, but that's where I come back again. They just did not seem comfortable against that zone making passes. So then when they would try and make a pass, they're second guessing what they're doing. They're not like, they're not just making plays, you know, they're out there thinking about everything too much. And then that's when you start to do weird stuff. Right. And they were doing a bunch of weird stuff. And that's where a lot of weird stuff. That's what, you know, what the mentality was going into the game. Like, I don't know what that is, but there was something wrong there where they did not seem to have the same sense of urgency that they'd had in the four games previous to that. And that's concerning to me because this, you know, I know that this team is still going to make the tournament and I know that all all that kind of stuff, but man, when you have done, you kind of dug yourself a hole that you had to dig back out of during the month of January and early February. And you did that. And they had seemed to have really turned it around, but you can't all of a sudden be like, Oh, well, we're good now. <laughs> no, you know, and that, because that's there. I mean, I don't mean to disparage anyone, but this yeah. from a talent level, they are on the bottom end and the big 12, especially, and they've had to scratch and claw and fight their way to pretty much every win, especially conference win that they've had. So they can't change their identity now from that, right. the, the scratching and clawing. Otherwise they're going to be in big trouble and it's going to be an early exit. And here's, you know, to speak to to what you just said about the the talent and things like that, and I don't this again. It's not to disparage anybody because everybody's no, 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 no. out there doing their thing, and it's not like a personal thing. No. But if we're just gonna keep it 100 for a second, when someone comes in and says we've got to be a physically tough team and we've got to yes. be a defensive team and all those kinds of things, a lot of times in college basketball, you know what that's code for? We're not very good at putting the ball in the basket. So yeah. we have to figure out a way to win games. But the good coaches the way- can recognize that. Yes. And TJ has for the, you know, he's figured out ways to get them to win games where they probably had no business winning. This team has so vastly overachieved for what yes. it's, t- yes. its ability level is. And that's ability level and expectation level. Right. And that's yeah. where like I, it's hard to like criticize anybody because TJ's done a fantastic job to get this group to play the way that they need to. And there's a lot of guys who have had to step up and play much bigger roles than they ever have in their college career. So like everyone deserves credit for that, but it doesn't make it to where you get excused when things like this happen, you know? No, And I, and that's been a frustrating part of this season is just like, uh, we can be pleased with the overachieving. Like we should be, we cannot overlook the fact of how, how much this team has done in light of the lack of expectations. So 
recognize the overachievement of them, but at the same time, be disappointed when they don't play up to the level that we've seen them capable of playing. Like those two things can be beliefs and frustrations and excitement that can be held at the same time. Right. They, they don't have to be exclusive to each other, you know, and like, and and it's, but that's like, you see people who get fired up during the game and don't get me wrong. Like I get, if anyone watched a game with me, I say a lot of things about <laughs> basketball that like people would never hear me say on a podcast or hear me yeah, say, right. Uh, I've you know, <laughs> doing any of those kinds of things, but yes. like, so I get fired up too, but you man, for sure get fired up the way that some people can like live and die with every single I know. play. And it's like, you expect people to do things that how many games are we into the season now? 30. Yeah. 30 games into the year. And all of a sudden people are disappointed, you know, that, Oh, George Condit made a poor pass, you know, or uh, Tyrese lost the ball going into the middle of the lane right. or something like that. And people are like, well, why does he keep doing that? Well, I don't know if they knew <laughs> then he probably would have, we, they probably would have figured it out in the last 30 games. Right. You know? And it's like, th- those are the things. And then even, you know, I have this, I have this group of people who, who tweet at me every single game to talk about ball screen defense and why Iowa State screen like defends ball screens the way that they do, and I'm, and it's because they'll leave those big men open in the middle of the paint. Like last night, uh, Musa Cisse hit a couple of those shots right at the kind of the free throw line area. Yeah, uh, where yeah. David McCormick made a living that night when they played Kansas and Ames. And I'm like, that's literally what the the defense is designed to do. It's like right. the guys are doing what they're supposed to. That doesn't always mean that it's going to work. And for, for some, sure. In Hilton Coliseum, some of those things have just not worked very well at yeah. times, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. That's what I tweeted last night. I was like, maybe it's good for this team to go to Kansas City and go to Waco and all that kind well, of stuff. And I think Scott uh, Christofferson tweeted too, it's good for this team to get maybe a different batch of officials um, and to get outside the Big 12 when tournament play comes. Just because, like you said, last night was a strange night of officiating. And you know, we've seen the way West Virginia plays and how in the tournament it's tends to be officiated differently. It could right. be terrible or in terrible in terms of they call everything because we're an aggressive defensive team, or it could be a battle and other teams might not be um, so used to what we see in the big 12. So the, the yeah, thing that's, that's I'm, I'm concerned about, or I don't know if I'm concerned about, I'm excited about maybe even to say, I don't know how I feel college basketball officiating sucks. Yeah, all across and the country. Yeah, yeah, all across the country. And I don't even know how much I blame the officials. It's hard to be an official. Oh, know? yeah. And yes. it's hard for them to even get people to officiate high school games or yeah. junior high games yeah. and things like that. Like, let alone college games where people know who you are. And yeah, and imagine stream being, and follow you out to your car. <laughs> right. Like, imagine being John Higgins, where everyone knows yeah. who you are. You're one yeah. of the most famous referees in college basketball history, probably. Yeah. And like, that would be a lot. So I don't know. I don't know how much I blame them, you know, but we have it's also their job. The I mean, consistency of college basketball yeah. officiating is so, so, so bad. Every yeah. single game, you don't know what the officiating is going to be like. And, I and guess the problem I, is it's go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I, I guess my hope is that in the tournament, you weed out some of the guys who yes. really, really stink. You yeah, know, I hope so too. Cause there's been some nights where Iowa state has gotten some guys who really, really stink. And right. like Doug sermons last night, Doug sermons had a bad night, mm-hmm. bad night with the whistle, but I'll give Doug sermons some credit because the guy has been a really good official for most right. of his career. And it's like, sometimes and you just have a bad night, but these guys have a lot of bad nights. It seems. Yeah. That's what it seems like. And when you play an aggressive form of defense, it seems to be a bigger factor, which is 
unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. And I, it makes me wonder, like, you know, Iowa state likely to play Texas tech in the first round of the big 12 tournament. I mean, I, I think they theoretically could still end up as the seven, but like, that's the most likely scenario right now. Like, I don't, I don't even know how to feel about that game. We don't know how tech's going to get officiated. No, you know, like you have no idea until that night, what you're really going to get from them. Because if you get a a crew, that's going to call everything. Well, they're probably going to be for him for a rough night. You know, exactly. It's it's the same thing you said about West Virginia, how they used. I mean, I guess they're still kind of this way, but not quite to the same level they were before, but I mean, they're going to test officials, you know, Mm -hmm. In the year that they were able to get all the way to the national championship game, it was because, yeah, they were really good defensively, but they were also really awesome offensively. This team is not like awesome offensively. They're pretty solid, but they're not as good as that one was. So it's like, I don't, it wouldn't shock me if Iowa State came out and beat them. If all of a sudden they're going to call 60 fouls or something like that, you know, and everybody's going to shoot 30 free throws. Yeah, they could win that game. But at the same time, if the guys, if the officials come out and let everything go, everybody can grab, everybody can do that kind of stuff. Like, I don't care who Iowa state's playing. They're not going to beat many teams like that in the big 12. They just, they're just not. And they, they pride themselves on the toughness, the physicality, all that kind of stuff. These teams that they're playing against, we saw it last night. We've seen it against Texas tech. We've seen it against numerous others. Those teams are stronger, they're tougher, yes. and they're more physical, and they're better at doing yes. that than what Iowa State is. That, yep. And that, that comes back to the talent thing that I think we talked about before. And it's a strange parallel to the Iowa State women, because I think if the women uh, see a team with a strong and physical big, I the I think the women are going to be out of luck, too. So yeah. there's not a ton of parallels between the men's and the women's teams this year, especially offensively, but I think that's one of them. Yeah, I I actually want to talk about the women some more. Can, do you okay. want to come back for the second segment and we can sure. talk about them? All right. We'll yeah, do that, that sounds good. In just a second, when we come back on the Cyclone Fanatic radio show presented by the Iowa State University Foundation on the Morning Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Hi, Cyclone fans. This is Dr. Brian Warmy, orthopedic sports medicine surgeon at McFarland Clinic. I really enjoy working with athletes of all ages, including the football team here in town. My colleague, Dr. Greenwald, and I provide specialized orthopedic care to patients of all ages, including sports injury evaluation, treatment, arthroscopic surgery, stem cells, and other biologics. Come see me in Ames for your sports injury needs, and don't let your injury keep you out of your game. Learn more at McFarlandSportsMedicine.com. Go Cyclones! Many people are still working remotely, but a lot are gradually returning to their office, and that workplace has changed forever. Fortunately, dressing well for work has not. Mr. B and Clive has a great variety of different clothing options depending on your personal situation. Whether it's a traditional suit and tie or a casual pant and golf shirt for a Zoom call, we have what you need. Come see for yourself at Mr. B Clothing on 86th Street in Clive. My life gets crazy with my twins and a husband who works 80 hours a day, I mean a week, and I decided to start my own business on top of it, which is insanely crazy. But thanks to the Iowa Clinic, it was easy to see my doctor. And when I get there, she listens to me. So I feel like I have a partner. And before I know it, I can get back to my crazy busy, insanely busy life where I have a busy business, busy husband, busy twins. Oh no, where's the other one? Oh, I'm holding her. Anyway, with same-day appointments and online scheduling, the Iowa Clinic is care how you want it. Visit iowaclinic.com. 
Hey, y'all. Brent Bloom here. Let me tell you about my friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive. They have a giant new store that they opened up about a year and a half ago. They're in West Clive, right near the Waukee border, my old stomping grounds. And they can help you out with any of your needs. In fact, with a larger warehouse now, a larger selection, they have many items right there at the store. In fact, my mom just needed some new appliances recently. It was an easy call to make. Told her to call Tim Mullen and the guys and gals over at Nebraska Furniture Mart in Clive. And always ask for the price match. They'll help you out. There's something competing out there. Check out our Cyclone Fanatic friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart in Clive. Hey, Cyclone fans, it's Chris Williams. You've heard our friends from the Iowa pork producers. They've been coming on here for the last couple of years. I've been telling you guys about them. I've had the great opportunity to meet so many of our state's great pork producers over the last couple of years, and I've learned so much. One thing specifically, I didn't really know this before. I guess I probably should have, but these pigs are raised in environmentally controlled barns. That helps farmers care for the pigs. They protect the pigs from extreme temperatures, predators, you know, all that stuff. It is so high-tech, some of the stuff that our great pork producers are doing, and they're doing it all to feed our world. And... And don't forget about this, so you can have some of that delicious Iowa pork at your tailgates coming up this fall. From everyone at Cyclone Fanatic, I'm Chris Williams saying thank you to our state's great pork producers. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is now fueled by the Mississippi River Distilling Company. It is located in Eau Claire, Iowa, and owned by Cyclones. In fact, one of them even used to be Cy. People ask us all the time, how can they help out at Cyclone Fanatic? Well... Here's a way. You can pick up a delicious bottle of Cody Road bourbon or the very popular Iowish cream liqueur. Cyclone Fanatic is proud to be fueled by Cody Road. So cheers to our friends at the Mississippi River Distilling Company. And go Cyclones. Welcome back into the Cyclone Fanatic radio show presented by the Iowa State University Foundation here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. That is such a mouthful. I don't know. I did it to the... You nailed it. I know. I did it to end the first... It has taken me a considerable (laughs) amount of time because they've changed the way you're supposed to sign off and bring it back and all that stuff. And I just... Every single time I forget because there's like yeah, 60 words to Jared, say. You're a professional. You got it. You're good. Yeah. Something like that. Something, something like, like that. that. Uh, something like that. Right. All right. Let's talk about the Iowa State women. Um, let's do it. Man, the game Monday night against Baylor <sighs> was uh, frustrating. And it hurt my heart and my I know, soul. I know. I know. You, you're you as locked into it as anybody that I know. And I'm... I'm going to say something and I don't mean it to be, okay. I don't mean it to sound as bad as what it does. <laughs> this is it, never no, a good no, way to it's, start it, anything. It's just, I don't know that there's a better way to put it than what I'm uh, going to no, say. Go for it. Just um, do it. Rip off the bandaid. If they play a team that's like them and has a similar athletic profile to them. Meaning them, them being Baylor. Iowa State. Iowa State. If Iowa State plays a team similar to them, as far oh. as like the kind of athletes that yes. they have on their yes. team. Yes. Yes. I think that they will wipe the floor with any team that they play like that. I they are completely agree that good at just yes. playing the game of basketball. Yes. But the second that they get against up against one of these teams that has that next level caliber of athlete, a Baylor, yes. a Texas. Yes. Yep. I mean, it, it, it would take a perfect game, them playing a perfect game and the officials playing or calling a game straight into Iowa state's hands. I think for yes. them to win. And it that would really take- stinks. It would take a 19 three-pointer night at that point to win. Yes. Yes. Which is hard, which they can do. They can, but it's not easy. And particularly when you're not on your home floor. And you're going to have to make a bunch of really tough shots. 
Yes. Like it's not going to be where, you know, they get some pretty easy open looks some of those times when they play yeah. some of these other teams in the league. There is no easy shot when you're playing against Baylor in Texas. And that's no, what and- I was talking to Connor about this. I was like, because we were talking about Texas and he was, I don't remember what we were arguing about. He was saying something about Iowa state being a big piece of the issue that there was on that night. And I was like, dude, I want you to go back and watch the film of that yeah. game. Watch what, look what the driving lanes looked like. Look what the passing lanes looked like. I mean, I've never seen a group of athletes in women's college basketball that have longer arms than they do. Yeah. And just the length and the athleticism, like, where are you supposed to pass the ball? I know. I know. Well, at least closed off. Elisa and I talked about this on the podcast uh, earlier this week, but they were watching her and her husband were watching the Baylor game and her husband made a comment like, well, Baylor's not going to shoot this well all night. And Elisa was like, no, 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 they will. Like they are that athletic and that talented where they just, the shots that, especially down low, the shots that they are capable of making and the, mm-hmm. the physical moves that they are capable of making, we just, we, we don't match up well with them, frankly. And I think that's why, for the women, particularly seating is one thing. And yeah. of course you want to fight for the, t- you know, the higher seed, the better, but matchups are going to be key for the women's team. It's going to come down to exactly what you said. Is this a team that, you know, from the perimeter, um, shots well, um, and ha- doesn't have a lot of physical bigs, or is it going to be a Baylor or Texas of the world? And then right. th- if that's the case, it's, it's going to be a rough go. Right. And even, you know, you think about even like Iowa. Yeah. I mean, I think they'll run into the same issue, you know, and it's yeah. not, Iowa's not a good team because they are a really good. They're team. a great team. Like, yeah. Oh, awesome. And then the, yep. um, uh, Kinzano, Sinzano or whatever, uh, yeah. I think that's her name. Like she's really good down in the paint, but I mean, Nalissa Smith is a different breed like that. Yes. She is on a different plane from everybody else that's out there, yes. you know, yep. like that, that person's like a cheat code. Texas has multiple six foot five women they can throw out there. And yeah. I like, I don't know where these people come from. I think I said that to you during, <laughs> right, we've game. talked about that a yeah, lot. I was like, where, like, where the hell do they get all these people? Because there can't be that many women that are that tall no. and that athletic in the world. And they all go to Texas, all go to Texas. Them. But I think yeah. it's interesting because, you know, Iowa state definitely, definitely has its style of play. And I think mm-hmm. Texas and Baylor have kind of locked in on their style of play and they now have a pipeline to it somehow, just like we have a pipeline to really uh, elite uh, um, three-point shooters. So it'd be cool if we could kind of mix that up at some point and get one of those incredibly big and athletic uh, post right. players. So we'll see. We'll see. Unfortunately, but- we don't have many of those in the state of Iowa that are <laughs> that big and that athletic. No, we don't. Uh, yeah. No. They, they do not. Uh, well, just like in the men's, when everybody wants to know why are they not six foot 10 or taller, you know, and I, I always say like six foot 10 guys don't grow on trees. Like six foot five <laughs> women don't grow on trees either. That's you know, right. like, I, I don't know. Yeah. And, and it, it, yeah, it just, no, is, no, we are what we are. You know, yeah. we are a super yeah. talent for what, for the players we have incredibly talented. Our guard play is so much fun to watch, but, um, you know, that's our brand and we're going to live and die by that, whatever that looks like. And it's just going to come down to, you know, who our opponents are and, that's all. I mean, that's just, I think that's really going to be is the story. Um, when we, when we get into the tournament, especially the big dance that is, I mean, I think the perfect example, and this is not, again, this is nothing against anyone personal. Like it's just me making analysis. Emily Ryan is the one that I think struggles with this the most. She is so good in every single game until she has to play 
play Baylor or Texas yeah. in the physicality yeah. that they can put on her out in the perimeter. I mean, they just can make her life living hell, you yeah. know? And yeah. it, it's like, I almost feel bad to watch it because you know how good a player she is. Oh yeah. But, she's but you're insane. like, it's like, it's like her kryptonite, you know? Right. And I, I don't know even what the answer is. Like I was sitting there during the game Monday night and I'm like, I don't even know what they can do right now to change the way that this is going. No. And that's the thing is Baylor might just be that good. You mm-hmm. know, they might just be that much ahead of everybody. Um, it'll be interesting. I told Elisa this too, on the podcast, I haven't watched a ton of basketball outside of the big 12 in Iowa. Um, so I think, you know, it's going to take some studying to, to see, especially who Iowa state matches up against. Um, but cause I put Emily Ryan up against any point guard in the country. Like she's yeah. that good, but you're right. There's just something about the, the physicality that gets to her and she's not alone. She's not alone at all. No, no. But, uh, what were your emotions seeing Ashley walk off the floor with the five fouls the other night, besides your anger towards the officials? <laughs> I, I, my heart broke for her a little bit. That was, you know, that was an uncharacteristic game for her. She made a lot of, I think frustrated mistakes at that point. And for her to walk, it won't be her last time walking out of Hilton probably because we'll get to host, uh, in the tournament, but you know, for senior night that had to have been yeah, not exactly how she imagined walking off. So I was bummed for her. My heart broke for her, but I think she knows how appreciated she is by this fan base. At least I hope so at this point. And um, you know, I, there's a lot of season left to go. And I hope that that can, the, the, the frustration that she experienced will hopefully be erased by what happens down in Kansas city and, and beyond. Right. And the, it was just one of those things where I was, you know, I was watching on TV and I, you could see the emotion. Yeah. And my, the thing that I just wish, like, I mean, I'm sure someone said this to her, what I would have said to her is no one is ever going to remember this you know, no, like no. 24 is going to be hanging in the rafters and no one's yeah. ever going to think about how this night went and the yeah. fact that they didn't win, win the league and all yeah. those kinds of things. And the good news is that she's got hopefully two more opportunities to come out and play mm-hmm. in the NCAA tournament and whether or not it's the right thing, that's what people are going to always remember is sure. if you, if she can come out and have two monster games in the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament and get them to the sweet 16 for the first time since what, 2008? I mean, everyone will remember that when they look at the 24 hanging in the rafters a lot sooner than they think about whatever happened in that game against Baylor. You're right. And and like, I understand like being disappointed in all those kinds of things, but that's just what, when you see one of your all-time greats go out like that and be so sad, that hurt me where I'm just like, man, like I, you want that kid to know that no one is ever going to think about this. No. And, and she tends to not be an emotional player. Like it's very rare for her to even smile out on the court for, so for her to show serious motion and almost tears, that's when you knew that it was, it was hitting her hard. So you're absolutely right. I'm sure, I'm sure coach Fenley, you know, explained to her exactly what you just said. At least I hope so. And I hope that she can put this in the rear view mirror and, and focus on what's ahead. I know she can. She's like, fierce competitor what's your excitement level for kansas city women or men both just combination we're finally okay. gonna get this since the first time i we were know it got canceled I know. But yeah okay so for the men i'm just i this is i think they're one of those teams that could make a crazy run and make the championship you know or they yeah. could just get bounced right away so for the men i'm just kind of like let's see what happens and i really don't have a ton of expectations i'm just looking forward to it 
for the women, my expectations are high and that makes me nervous as an Iowa state fan. I, I think I know I will be disappointed if they don't make it to the championship, mm-hmm. but you know, like, so yeah, I'll be, I'm more nervous for the women, more excited for the men, but Kansas city is so great. That's such a fun experience. If you're, if you haven't been, you need to go. Well, the good thing, I don't know if it's a good thing. The good thing with the men, or I don't know, the thing with the men, since I've been covering the team, is there's only two options. They yeah. either lose in the first game. Or they or, win. Or they win. The <laughs> they win the thing. whole damn thing. Yeah, right? there's never anything heartbreaking any right. about it. There's never anything that right. makes you really overly nervous. You're they right. lose that first game, or they're going to win the entire tournament. And You're so absolutely they, right. If they play Texas Tech on Thursday night and they beat Texas Tech, Everybody can better start packing for Kansas City because Guarantee. we're gonna need everybody to come through for the semifinals and the finals. That's right. That's yep. right. All right, Steph. Thanks for coming on and helping me thanks out. Thanks for having we'll, me. Yep. We'll talk to you again soon. We'll be back. Okay. We'll be back with Jeff Woody to talk some Iowa State spring football when we come back on the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show presented by the Iowa State University Foundation on the Morning Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is now fueled by the Mississippi River Distilling Company. It is located in Leclerc, Iowa, and owned by Cyclones. In fact, one of them even used to be Cy. People ask us all the time, how can they help out at Cyclone Fanatic? Well, here's a way. You can pick up a delicious bottle of Cody Road bourbon or the very popular Iowish cream liqueur. Cyclone Fanatic is proud to be fueled by Cody Road. So cheers to our friends at the Mississippi River Distilling Company. And go Cyclones! Gershman Mortgage, the Midwest's premier mortgage lender, is proud to be a part of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home, a vacation home, if you're going to upgrade or remodel that existing home, you can even refinance your current mortgage. Gershman Mortgage is here to help. With over 60 years in the mortgage industry, we have security, experience, and unmatched service. Visit our Ankeny office. Call 515-964-5952. Visit Gershman.com to get pre-approved today. Gershman Mortgage, NML. LS number 138063, 1200 Southwest State Street, Suite E, Ankeny, Iowa, 50023, Equal Housing Lender. It's not whether you win or lose, it's whether you serve pork at your tailgating party. Hi, I'm Dave Struthers, and I'm here to remind you that Iowa pig farmers like me work hard year-round so you have safe, wholesome pork for the football season. Whether it's pulled pork sandwiches, ribs, or chops, nothing says tailgating better than pork. This message brought to you by Iowa Pork Producers through the Pork Checkoff. Make your tailgating delicious. Learn more at iowapork.org. Cyclone Fanatic is proud to partner with the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State University. As many business schools across the country are eliminating full-time MBA programs completely or moving them online, the Ivy College of Business is documenting all-time high enrollment for both the MBA and Master of Finance programs. To learn how a master's degree from the Ivy College of Business can boost your career, visit www.ivybusiness.iastate.edu. That's www.ivybusiness.iastate.edu. Go Cyclones! Many people are still working remotely, but a lot are gradually returning to their office, and that workplace has changed forever. Fortunately, dressing well for work has not. Mr. B and Clive has a great variety of different clothing options depending on your personal situation. Whether it's a traditional suit and tie or a casual pant and golf shirt for a Zoom call, we have what you need. Come see for yourself at Mr. B Clothing on 86th Street in Clive. 
Hey Cyclone fans, ever wondered how we could use our Cyclone spirit for the greater good? If we each give a little, together we can multiply the power of our gifts to help Iowa State University students when unexpected needs arise. Your gift can make the difference in helping a student finish out the semester or keep an internship experience within reach. To make a gift and to move what matters for Iowa State students, go to isufoundation.com. Hey guys, it's Williams here from Cyclone Fanatic on behalf of my friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clyde. They've been a part of the Cyclone Fanatic radio show here Thursday nights on KXNO for a really long time. We're, we're talking like half a decade now. They're great supporters of what we do, and in return, we like to do the same to them. That's why anytime I need any electronics, anything like that, I call my friend Tim Mullen at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive. Not only do I get the best service in town, but they're Cyclone Fanatic supporters, big time. Give our friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive a call today and tell them Cyclone Fanatic sent you. This is Dr. Thomas Greenwald, board-certified orthopedic sports medicine physician. This is my 30th year taking care of Iowa State athletes, and I am a proud supporter of the Cyclones. As an orthopedic surgeon, I specialize in musculoskeletal care for athletes of all ages, from high school to collegiate athletes to adult weekend warriors. Trust McFarland Orthopedic Sports Medicine and my colleague, Dr. Warmy, and I for excellent sports injury care and rehabilitation. Visit us on the web at McFarlandSportsMedicine.com. Go Cyclones. Welcome back to the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show presented by the Iowa State University Foundation here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Jared Stansberry joined now uh, by my co-host on the Football and Random Things podcast. It's Jeff Woody. Hello, sir. How are you today? You finally came crawling back, Jared. You finally came back. Well, I found a, a new podcast partner with Scott Christopherson. He goes on considerably fewer random tangents, <laughs> makes considerably fewer really weird uh, metaphors, and uh, generally more considerate. More. Yeah, more I get considerate. To talk a lot more. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, now I'm here, and you're just going to talk over me the whole time. You're going to probably make at least two weird metaphors at some point that are going to sound like they're not going to make any sense. But after you talk for two minutes, they come all the way back around. And then maybe some people will learn a few things about football. See, that's, I think that's, that is uh, the joy in podcasting is, and, and radio is that there's a much longer form that you can have the conversation with, as opposed to like, I mean, I haven't used Twitter in five years now, but something like that, it's so condensed. You just don't, I mean, you gotta be, you gotta be really quick and direct. And I don't do quick and direct. I do in, I feel like insightful and unique. I think those are more the, the attributes yeah. that I go with. You're, you're more, uh, you're more here for the, the insightful, or I guess unique would be a good way. The discourse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm here the, for the, yeah. I'm here for the, I'm here for the cocktail conversation. That's what I'm here for. It's not dinner. It's cocktail conversation. Cocktail conversation right now at about six forty at night on a, on a Thursday. I don't know that there's a better time for some cocktail conversation than right now. Uh, all right. Let's talk about Iowa state spring football. I do want to say our spring football coverage here at cyclone fanatic will be, presented by a plus lawn and landscape. Uh, we'll have a lot more about them here in the coming days. Chris Williams is going to have a podcast tonight with uh, Taylor Mauser, the Iowa state tight ends coach. Uh, I know that he'll tell you a lot about a plus on there. Uh, so we do want to shout out a plus lawn and landscape, our presenting sponsor of our spring football coverage here at cyclone fanatic. Uh, starting tomorrow, Jeff, it will be, I think we're going to talk to coach Campbell on Monday. That'll be the first time that we'll get to talk to any of the coaches but this is going to be kind of a fun spring. You know, these last couple of springs, it's not that they haven't been interesting because they have with the team 
obviously getting better and we knew that they needed to make growth, but there's like so many new people that I don't even know who we're going to talk to some of these days, you know, when they're going to have new guys come on the, on the thing and we're going to be meeting in a lot of new people. Yeah. And it's not even like you have new players. I mean, not literally in, in in like the, uh, the thematic sense, like a player in a thematic sense, like it's not like you have new players because that's true. That happens every year. You know, like we got to know Jalen Knoll a little bit last year, but the, the positions like whole position groups, we have no freaking idea what's going to be happening. You know, like there's, you have one corner and the other corner with, you know, with miles purchase or TJ Tampa, like somebody's over there and we have like some idea what's going to happen with the safeties, but at linebacker, what's going on at linebacker. Mm-hmm. It's not that eventually the, it's not that it's going to be a poor performance in the fall, because I would imagine with the talent they recruited people, they brought in the, the, I think the general benefit of the doubt that this coaching staff can have, that it's going to end up being good, but who the participants in the conversation are going to be at linebacker is basically Gary Vaughn and Orion Vance, probably. Mm-hmm. Well, Ryan Vance is going to be for sure. Probably Gary Vaughn and the reader kid that was a transfer might be the other one. And you have maybe somebody else comes out and they, they don't know like that position group's pretty up in the air. And then you flip over to the offensive side, you have, a lot of guys in the offensive line that are coming back, but who is participating? We don't know. Hunter Deckers is going to be probably the guy at quarterback, unless something, you know, as Aiden Bowman just shows out and totally goes to town. We don't know. Uh, running back is uh, again, probably Jirel Brock because we've seen enough of him throughout, but maybe, I don't know, maybe somebody else like Deion Silas goes nuts and just ends up being the guy that's a starter wide receiver. You have Jalen Knoll and Sean Shaw and, a whole bunch of other dudes. You lose almost all of your tight ends. Oh, and Xavier Hutchinson. Forgot about him. Oh, and Xavier Hutchinson. Sorry, Xavier Hutchinson. Completely forgot. The, I'm, I'm coming back. I mean, just Potentially the best yeah. player on the team. True. Sorry. Complete brain fart there. But, I mean, you know what I mean? As far as, like, the position groups, you have some that are sort of, you know, Anthony Johnson's, we, we get it. But the other people you have like six people in certain positions that could be any one of them. So it's going to be really interesting to see who, who comes in. And I think the other thing that's interesting about this team is that what is the culture and vibe going to be? Because the group that was there before with Charlie and Brock and Brees, they were all very much in Matt Campbell's image of they have fun. I would imagine behind closed doors, but when it's time to work, it's time to work. And it's less, you know, like there's the, swag surfing. And that's kind of fun and loose. But for the most part, I would say it was very business-like, a very business-like team, you know, like that would, you're not going to get a lot of celebration from Brees Hall. Right. You're not going to get a lot of celebration from Charlie Kohler. You're not going to get a lot of celebration from Mike Rose. And that's just their personalities. And I think the, the focus is going to be the same regardless, because that comes from Campbell and the staff down. And I think the workmanship is going to be the same because that comes from Campbell and the staff down, but the personalities like, I think Xavier, Xavier Hutchinson likes to have some fun. I think uh, Hunter Deckers likes to have some fun. So like this, the, the entire personality of this team might be different in how they express how they're going to do stuff. And we have no idea what that is. Like all of that is going to be completely new. Right. I think the thing, there were just so many foundational pieces every year, you know, so many guys that you just were coming back that it's like, okay, well, we know that this guy, 
you can rely mm. on this guy, you know? Yeah. And now there's just, there's so many guys that, you know, are coming back, but it's just like, you just don't know what you're going to get from them. We don't know anything about them because we've just hardly seen them play. And even if they have played, it's been on special teams or in moments when, you know, the game is out of reach and they're not really actually getting to showcase what they can do, you know? And like, that's what I think is fun is it's like, we should get to see some new people that we haven't seen. It's been a while since we've gotten to see some new people, you know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes like, not that, you know, obviously it was a lot of fun to cover Brock. It was a lot of fun to cover Brees. Like those guys are all fantastic, but it's just like, there's a new exciting challenge about it of like, man, now we got to start fresh again. You know, well, and I think what's what's fun about this too, you know, again, talking about we don't know what the personality of the team's going to be. I think this staff above most others in the country is they go, where who are our best 11 football players? And we're going to find a position to put them in. You know, like they switched their entire defense because they had more linebackers than defensive linemen, and they managed to turn that into a thing that works for everybody. So on defense, they did that on offense. They switched it last year and the year before because they had three really good tight ends or two good tight ends and a, a fullback that you can play this super tight two tight end front and you have the best running back in college football. That's the way the offense is going to run. Well, they don't be, because there is so much opportunity and so much turnover. It might be, and I don't, this is again, throwing completely out there. They might be in 10 personnel a lot just mm -hmm. because they might have like Jalen Knoll, Sean Shaw, Xavier Hutchinson, Jirel Brock, Deion Silas are your five best offensive players or hypothetically, maybe, I don't know. And you go, okay, well, we got to get these guys on the floor or on the, on the field at some point, somehow, how do we do that? And then schematically work there. Cause they always do the players formations plays of that, that in importance from most to least important is get our best 11 out there. And because of that, a guy, you know, someone that comes to mind is like Darian Porter, who's a really good athlete has been really good on special teams for a couple of years. He might have the chance to carve himself out a role because everything is so up in the air. We're like last year, you ain't going to take the place of Charlie. You ain't going to take Chance's spot. You ain't going to take Brees's spot. And X is probably going to be out there. So it was like realistically one offensive skill position that's sort of up for grabs. Yeah. Whereas this one, the whole scheme can get turned on its head. So a guy like that, again, using Darian Porter as an example, a guy like that can carve a niche for himself to say, Hey, you know, Jalen Knoll and Shaw and X are really good. But if I ball out, like you're going to need to get me on the field. And if that offensive set works better than having a tight end in the field, maybe they go a lot of four wide receivers, no idea. So I think that's the fun part about this is that especially offensively, I think you have a lot of just like, dude, it could be anything. Right. There's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, I guess at those three open practices that they do, but also, you know, in September at the first game, there's going to be a lot of, hold on, who is this guy again? I got <laughs> to check my roster. You know, you see the, yeah. you see a new number pop up and you're like, man, who is that? And then you're like, oh, okay, now I remember who that is. But you just don't even, you know, we just – some of these guys, once they get recruited, they fall off the radar there for a couple of years while they're working their way back up to get to where they're going to be on the field. Uh, talking Iowa State spring football here on the Cyclone Fanatic radio show presented by the Iowa State University Foundation, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Okay, give me – what's your number one position that you're most intrigued to learn about you want to hear some things about these guys. You want to hear how they're uh, they're coming along. I think it's, 
it's it's a the position group, but what the position group means. So I think quarterback room. I think Hunter Deckers again is likely the guy, just because every time there's a situation where another quarterback could come in, it was him over Aiden Bowman. But and just because of his physical talent, I mean, the kid can absolutely sling it. But because and we talked about this in a, a bunch in kind of the the end of the season farts last year is if he's if the offense is built around what he can do really well, that's going to be a completely and wholly different offense to what we have seen in the past couple of years, because he, a has a bigger arm than Brock B has better legs and can run more and C is bigger. So you can run a bigger quarterback and throw it down the field. Those are three things that you couldn't do with Brock last year. Now, the thing that Brock generally brings to you is a steadying leadership that like, even if he screws up, which he, uh, Gabe Kalsher and Brock Purdy have this in common where when it's really, when it's good, you're like, damn, that was a really smart play. And when it's bad, it's like, what in the world was that? So that, that parallel. And now Hunter, he doesn't have, he might have that. We don't know, but that's what Brock gave you. And it's just going to be different. And so going to spring practices, you have guys like X, who is a potential really good down the field threat. You have a guy like Jalen Noel, who might be one of the fastest guys in the team. And you got a guy like Sean Shaw, who's built at, you know, at six, six or six, seven can go up and get the ball. And then a guy like Darian Porter, who's literally a state champion sprinter. You have that type of offense that can potentially be a down the field thing. If Deckers is able to do it. Now you have to look then at every other position that can Tyler Miller at left tackle be a guy who can straight up punk a defensive end because then you can actually run multiple wide receiver formations and you don't have to bring a tight end or a fullback to help on the defensive end is a guy, whoever's going to be in a center, whether it's downing or Simmons or who's running center, could you coordinate everything? Like all of it flows from what the quarterback's going to be doing and what the offense then is running through the quarterback position. So I think that's the most interesting position because of what it changes for everything else. I think that offensive line is interesting too, just because this will really be, I mean, it won't be the first time that all five of those guys are people that they've recruited, but the, it should be the first time that it's all five of the guys that are like their next level of recruits that they started to get a couple years ago. You yeah. know, the, I would, not, not just Trevor Downing, but the Tyler Millers, the Grant Tribers, guys like that. Yeah. I would imagine I would out of, off the top of my head, I would think four guys and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm missing anybody or somebody's left or injured or something like that. But I think Miller Simmons, Downing and Remsburg yeah. are probably four of your guys in some form or fashion who the fifth one is, I don't know. And maybe somebody comes out of the blue and just totally, you know, kicks ass and has to be out there on the field. But I think if I was to sort of based on super outsider knowledge, I would guess, Miller's going to be your left tackle. Remsburg is going to be your right tackle. And then Simmons or Downing is going to be your center. And then they're going to be at one of the guards and you got to find another guard. Right. And what, what that would allow the offensive line to be again, talking about uh, the hypothetical situation of having a, a more wide receiver focused offense, as opposed to a tight end focused offense is that would, cause Remsburg is a true tackle and Miller is a true tackle where last year I heard it's described as Iowa state had five guards that basically were playing every single position, which is kind of true, uh, which is why they were generally pretty good at run blocking and pass blocking. A lot of times got to be a little difficult because they didn't have the length or athleticism that, uh, a Tyler Miller when he's on does. And Remsburg was just never healthy last year, so, but Remsburg at tackle and Miller at tackle mean that you can actually have two offensive tackles that perform like tackles 
mm-hmm. which would be better, in, which allows for that spread offense to happen. Because if Deckers has to hold it for a thousand, one thousand, two thousand, three, and then throw it to the moon, you can't have somebody hitting him in the chin. So it, it, that offense with that offensive line would be conducive to what that is. Now, at the same time, they might have a couple tight ends or a fullback or whatever, and they might really like that. Or the offensive line might not be capable of doing a straight drop back pass protection like they would. And you're going to have pretty good people to test it against and Will McDonald and everybody else that comes with it. Right. So it's going to be an interesting thing because the whole offense, in my opinion, is going to be totally different. But in what form is that going to be totally different? I don't know. I'm excited to see what how Tyler Miller comes along. I think he was actually pretty good in that bowl game against Clemson after that first couple series, you know. Yeah. Like and and, and he had the rough stretch in that one game against Kansas. Man, it's almost a, hilari- a hilariously rough stretch. Yeah. And it it's almost like a man just got to get the nerves out, you know. Mm. Get those nerves out those first couple series and then we go. But it's your first at bat when the pitcher throws a curveball and you swing at it and fall over and your helmet falls off. Yeah. And then you go back to the dugout and your, your teammates laugh at you and go, Hey, can't get any worse. And then you'd be able to go back out there and do something again. Yeah. And that's after he blew two by you at 90 miles an hour and you didn't even see him, you yeah. know, like that. Yeah. Is th- that kind of situation. But no, I, I think that he's going to be a good player. Uh, linebacker is another one that I'm, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by because I think they've got a ton of talent in that room, especially with some of these young kids that they brought in. Uh, you know, the, the Will McLaughlin from, from Harlan, uh, man, I know Cole Peterson is someone that everybody's been really excited about. He's a, a redshirt sophomore now, but you know, Jacob, I mean, is someone I know that everybody was really high on out of Sergeant Bluff, Luton, Sergeant Bluff Luton. Those guys are all young, but still you've got the, the veteran in OV, you got the veteran in Gary, like, can one of those guys, we know one of those guys is going to emerge is basically well, what I'm saying. Well, we, and, and the leader kid. And, yeah, the, and, and the, the reader, reader kid, kid that was a transfer. Yeah. So yeah, his, I mean, his, he's a, the reader kid's a grad transfer from Delaware, Delaware. Right? His, did you know yeah. his brother plays for the Rams? Yeah, his, for the starters a, for the Rams. Yeah. His brother was a starting middle linebacker for the Super Bowl champion Rams. And so you have that guy is also in the same room. So what positions do these guys play? I think uh, Orion is probably the only guy that has a more or less set position um, because he's like Mike last year was, is so athletic and so versatile which will be interesting to see this weekend, which is when the combine is, you have a mm-hmm. bunch of cyclones, which we can talk about that in a second, but they, you have the, you have, he was so versatile and so athletic. Orion is more, uh, I mean, he's a pit bull. Like he is going to be in the box. He's going to punk a guard. Like that's the type of game that he plays. So he's going to be in the box in some form or fashion, but he is still athletic enough that at certain times last year, they would play it where Mike was on the, the right side of the formation and, um, I think like, uh, Jake Hummel was on the left side of the formation. And if the strength of the formation was one side or the other, rather than trading sides, they just Mike bumped in to play in the box and Hummel bumped out. And then they just traded back and forth. Well, a guy like Orion allows Orion. And I would even say Gary Vaughn, like both of those guys can, can do that because they're, they're big enough to be in the box or strong enough to be in the box, but athletic enough to move around in space. So is there another person that can kind of go in there and fit what that does and what they do, or do they want to be more set? Like, yeah, I think there's, there's, I think Orion is probably the highest on that list. And then I would say, I don't know, we don't know anything about the reader kid. And then Gary is probably a little bit below that, but even Gary could potentially get nipped out of a job if somebody else does something really well. Now, granted, I would imagine they really like him, but 
you know, that, that position, because you have six guys for three jobs, but they also rotate them a lot. So even those younger guys, they might not be starters, but you know, they're going to play 36 snaps a game because that's the way this defense runs is they like to shuffle in a bunch of guys. Right. All right. We don't have a ton of time. Give me a prediction. Which guy uh, helps himself the most in Indianapolis this weekend? I think if, if Mike can run fast, like if he can be in the, you know, like a four, six guy, I think that helps a lot because everybody knows, like, I think the one I've read a little bit, I think there was like a knock on him was like, he had open field tackling problems. And I'm like, yeah, bro, just go watch the film. You'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, but if he can, cause he played outside linebacker. Who, if who he can wrote play linebacker that? Football focus. Is there, yeah. are they the ones? Oh yeah. It wouldn't shock me if it was. So if you have frauds, if you have that guy that's out in, that can play out in space, but also a six, four, two that can play in the box. If he runs four, six, I mean, that becomes a super versatile, super smart, really hardworking linebacker. That's going to end up, you know, like with the Pittsburgh Steelers and have a 13 year NFL career. Yeah. And another guy would be, I think Charlie in the same way. Like if Charlie can run, then it, whatever his 40, if it's under four, four, six, nine or lower, if you're in that range, I think Charlie makes himself a lot of money. So I think those are the two that to me make the biggest difference for them. And I think a guy like any could also be sneaky because people are going to see, like you look on film and you go, ah, he's a good, he's a pretty damn good player. And then you look at him in person, you're like, holy hell, you're six, six, three, 45. Oh, okay. Hi. uh, I'm with the new England Patriots. Nice to meet you. You know, like that. And then you immediately, immediately ask him a question about his mom's first job in like 1987 or something stupid, like (laughs) worked at a Burger King, you know? Yeah. The stupid questions they ask the combine. Yeah, man. I I cannot believe that Charlie has not gotten more draft attention. That's it's another good example. Turn the film on. Yeah. I think, you know, it's one of those things that there's always going to be some guy that gets pulled. Like, uh, it's like, it's like JC Horn out of South Carolina. I think South Carolina was where he went to school. Nobody had him in the first round and the Panthers select him like 11th overall. And so like these draft projections are generally, I think I looked at, it was like, what is the most accurate draft projection? And they gave like one point for getting a guy that was in the right round and two points for getting the right team. And like three points, if you get in the right seating and like a maximum number of points then would be three times 32. So at 96 and the maximum number of points that anybody got was like 40. So yeah. like that's just above getting like 18 of the first rounders, even that they are picked in the first round. Correct. Is the best draft prediction out there. So don't put any stock in it. Just go, Oh, this is cool that he's doing really well. We'll see how this turns out. That'd be really hard to do though. There's so many people, you know, to be doing that really effectively would be really difficult, but all right, Jeff, appreciate you coming on. We'll get you more on more here during uh, spring football. We might even do some NCAA tournament stuff with you for some reason. I don't know. You seem to oh, that you want to talk about basketball. It is uh, very much going to be on the you're random like a, things of you're football like a, and random things. A wrestler, dude. Like wrestlers always want to talk about basketball. Like you, you or want to talk about play, want to come out and play basketball, show you how good they are at basketball. And then you're like, no, you can't do it. That's hey, it depends on, I know. Depends on how ticky tack the fouls are. If, if you let, if you let him play physical, I, I'll be all right. If you, if you start calling fouls, that's when you start getting to a problem. Uh, we're going to have a show on Monday next week. I just want to say that a programming note really quick. We're going to do a big 12 tournament preview me and Chris Williams. So we'll talk to you guys again here, uh, Monday night here on Des Moines sports station, 106.3 KXNO.